And one of the first things that comes to mind is obviously Melania Trump. <laughs> Can you imagine what it must feel like to be on the long list for the Booker Prize? It's the Oscars of books, and your competition is only every single book that's been published in the UK in the past year. Let me picture that. If I were one of the 13, it would be glorious. My phone would be ringing nonstop. I'd be recognized in bookstores, and I'd be my mum's favorite child again. I mean, I'm an only child, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, but, but then comes September, the shortlist is announced and you have been snubbed. This is the Boundless Book Club from the Emirates Literature Foundation in Dubai. I'm Andrea. I'm Annabelle. And this is the Booker Snub episode. And with us today, we have Masan Nahawi, enthusiastic reader, founder and CEO of media intelligence firm Karma. And he is here to add some intelligence to our conversation about one of the most high profile snubs this year. It's, of course, the Kasiro Ishiguro's novel, um, Clara and the Sun. This episode may, I mean, it will contain spoilers, so you have been warned. Should we just start, Masson? I want to ask, would you mind giving us a brief introduction to what the story is? Sure. Very briefly, and without giving away too much, the story is about an artificial intelligence-driven robot named Clara, who's been given the responsibility of taking care of a young girl named Josie, who's quite ill. And that opens up a whole, a whole range of relationships and dynamics, which make you think about the relationship between humanity and technology, the different elements related to love. It makes you ask questions. Are we real or are we a dream? Are we part of a dystopian reality? It's an incredible collection of feelings and challenges and ideas, which I think any reader would absolutely love. There was no pun intended me saying this, but I got a lot of warmth from the book, <laughs> uh, which is appropriate. It definitely had warmth to it. Warmth in, in different ways, I think, for me. I found it heartwarming how much love was shown to try and save Josie. I thought that was really special, but I found it difficult to deal with how virtually every relationship at the end was broken and the main driver of, of love was basically discarded and, and let go of. I found this a very emotional book to read. As usual, the writing style is so simple. It masks an ocean of intense emotion under it. And you're always kind of tricked into thinking the writing is so simple and easy to read and you're flicking through the pages, but the intensity is building up without you realizing it until you're kind of hit quite hard with the different levels of emotion. So I actually found it quite an emotional read. You know, I think his themes of technology and love are very present. But for me, I felt quite sad at the end. And I felt, I wish it had ended in a bit of a different way. It didn't help that I watched the Bond movie on the same day I finished the book, but <laughs> they're completely disconnected. Two different ways of being feeling sad at the end of a show. <laughs> Oh. I'd still not recovered from that. <laughs> I feel your pain. But it was so it was sad in so many different ways at different times. And I thought it was really amazing how they have this artificial friend who the mother at one point says, well, you're so lucky you don't have feelings. But clearly this is something that as humans, if we program a machine to become a sentient being, what are our responsibilities to that 
being as you know should we treat them as a human because they now feel because we've told it to feel it's it's a real it's a really tricky one to wrap your head around how we get to this end where Clara has served her purpose I think they he did a good job of showing very gently how everyone's opinion on how you're supposed to treat them was slightly different throughout the book and by the time you come to love Clara obviously you start judging the rest of the cast of characters by how they treat her and what I think what I felt from the book because initially I wasn't quite sure what to make of it and like you said Mazen it's written so in such a straightforward and simple way but with a lot happening underneath I was thinking initially why has this been you know nominated for the booker and then as I was reading I was like oh this is a classic case of that idea that genius is making complex ideas simple rather than simple ideas complex. And I think this is a classic case of, of that happening. And what we were saying before, what we, I think we have this conversation all the time, Andrea, about how often I think the best books are, or the hardest books to write are the ones that are the easiest to read. Although I wonder if Ishiguro is just incredibly gifted and this takes him 10 seconds. I don't know. You know what? It's so funny you say that because I, w- I was listening to this interview with him the other day and he was saying that he writes something and then he thinks that it's, done and then his wife will read the final draft she inputs into it the whole way through and then she'll read it and go no no you've got another five months to work on this actually and now his daughter is a novelist as well and she is also adding her input into it which I think is fantastic must be really frustrating for him there is there's one thing that I wanted to talk about and please can we talk about my favorite character Melania Housekeeper (laughs) (laughs) yes So Melania Housekeeper is one of the characters in the book. She's obviously, she's she's a housekeeper. Clara refers to her as Melania Housekeeper. And within this household where Josie is feeling uh, sick, it's her mother, the housekeeper, and Clara. And find out very early on that she's clearly meant to be, I think, Eastern European. And from what I've read about the book as well, that's the intention. And one of the first things that comes to mind is obviously Melania Trump. And so immediately I had questions like, was this on purpose? Are you making a little joke here? But regardless of whether or not that's true, I just, I love how brusque she is with Clara. And then you end up, you find her endearing because she's just super protective of Josie and she's super protective of the people in her house. But with her broken English, when she's basically threatening Clara, you know, if you don't do this thing, I will throw you in garbage. Can we talk about the scene where they have the organized socializing for young people? Please. I don't understand what that was. I just wanted to check if you're understanding this the way I understood it. You should only ever get people together in very controlled circumstances with an agreed activity. And that should be at a scheduled time. And then you just leave them to sink or swim. Is is that how we socialize in the future? That's how I understood it. And it needs to be supervised as well. It definitely has a COVID regulatory feel to it, doesn't it? (laughs) How how you can move, where you can go, who you can talk to, what you can wear. And I find I find it incredible how everything is engineered. And well, he's proposing everything good or legal will be engineered, including our own bodies. Yeah. 
follows on logically that our bodies will be engineered and our social lives will be engineered too. It's a really interesting contrast, isn't it? That AI and these topics that are often covered like in the cinema, you know, you go see so many films about artificial intelligence being like immediately corrupt. So the idea that there would be this warmth, it, it just seems such a contrast to this like cold idea that I think we automatically think of. I think AI is what we make out of it. I'm surprised how in the book the, the, the negative or dangerous sides of AI weren't really accentuated. He showed more how AI could be a force for good, I thought, and Clara being the ambassador of that goodness in AI, if you will. And it leads me to believe that as an author and as a human, I think he's lost faith in love. I think he has shown the goodness of the machine, but has positioned her in a way where she depends on nature walking in a field, being nourished by sunlight, which is an intensely organic and normal phenomenon to keep her alive and happy and functioning, that he makes me wonder, well, what exactly do we mean when we talk about our heart and our soul and our feelings? In the end, the fact is they're just chemical reactions. Chemical reaction in a box, chemical reaction in flesh and bone, really the idea of a soul and a heart is becoming more driven by a scientific explanation than by uh, a spiritual one. And I think that's why it ended quite sad. And it ended after a long journey of despair. Everyone was in despair trying to save Josie. Rick was in despair about, and he broke up with her. The mother was in despair and kind of lost her mind. Capaldi was in despair and trying to recreate her. The dad was in despair. Everyone was in a different level of despair. In my own mind, I was wondering, is he, as an author and as a human being, saying, Clara is in, in, in the garage now. We've put her to bed. But she's going to come back in a different form. But I, I've given up on love. That's what I was thinking at the end. Because he didn't make the case for love, I thought. Because his case for love didn't win at the end. Everyone went on their own way. Everyone broke up. Nobody really won. There was no happy ending, I thought. I, I just want to mention one thing, because again, this is probably not what Ishiguro is doing, and I'm probably overthinking this, but the idea that there is a guy called Capaldi who is constructing another version for Josie to be reincarnated, essentially. I feel like there's something there. There's something there. Can you please elaborate? Oh, so Peter Capaldi played Doctor Who. Oh, sorry, I am not a Doctor Who person. And uh, I, I'm going to leave it there because if I start explaining, then the episode is going to be about something else. So let's bring <laughs> it back. I thought it was interesting how he actually went to quite a lot of detail of how every AF is different. So he's effectively saying that these are androids that have personalities we know they have feelings I thought it was a really interesting take on redundancy and and humanity and it was it was interesting how they chose Clara because she's so perceptive and she has the ability to mimic and obviously this this whole thing is a reaction to this mother's trauma of having lost the older sister. So Josie's older sister has passed away for reasons that are not explained, but we are led to deduce that it's to do with this genetic modification that they refer to as being lifted. And I think a lot of what happens in this story is just a result of that trauma. Like he's writing about an artificial intelligence, but what he's really writing about is 
what it means to be human. And there's a moment that I absolutely loved where she comes to this conclusion that if she could mimic Josie all she all she wants, like she can be incredibly perceptive and she can get that down, you know, better than Daniel Day-Lewis. But it's not about finding her soul and, and trying to emulate that and figure out what that is. She can't be replicated because Clara can't replicate the impact that Josie has on everyone around her. So it's it's this idea that what you are as a person isn't just what's here. It's how you impact everyone around you. Yeah, I thought that was a brilliant, brilliant point that maybe your heart is your connection with those around you, not just a chemical reaction within you. Yeah, I really should get out more. The people who predict these things reckon that this was one of three most likely to win. They were in joint first place. So when the shortlist came out, it was quite a surprise for everybody. Do you, what do you think? I mean, if you think about the emotions you feel when you read a book like that, it doesn't get any better or any more intense. I mean, it was so powerful and I need a break, but I'm going to read it again. And I think it should have been shortlisted it should have been given more credit and uh, hopefully he'll make it up with millions of book sales or something (laughs) i'm sure he will he's obviously won the booker before and he's won a nobel prize for literature so i think i think he's probably fine yeah he's fine (laughs) it has to be it has to be said though that i actually haven't read any that have actually been shortlisted and it could just be you know they're they're the ones judging this they're thinking about this a lot you know they could just be that much better interesting andrea looks (laughs) unconvinced i've read two of them the shortlisted books i'm not gonna say that they're not great but i think sometimes it'd be nice for a booker prize winner to actually be readable for you know for the wider population and actually be a really good accessible story so the, the books that did make the shortlist are, there are six books left. There's Damon Galgot, who is, has written a, a story about a white family in South Africa. It's called The Promise. There's Maggie Shipstead, who's written this story in split timeline about a female aviator. And then the lady who plays her in a movie a bunch of years later. I love the sound of that one. That sounds really good. It's called The Great Circle. And then there's Richard Powers is back on the Booker shortlist with Bewilderment. We have an author from Sri Lanka called Anu Arud Pragasam. Sorry. And that's called A Passage North. It's about sort of coming back to Sri Lanka after the, the civil war has ended. And then we have Nadifa Mohammed, who we love, who's a LitFest alumni. She's written a fabulous book called The Fortune Men. And last but not least, there's Patricia Lockwood with no one is talking about this, but clearly everybody is talking about this. We've talked about it before. And in terms of predictions, people reckon that Damon Galgot has the biggest chance of winning. But I think Ishiguro should have had it. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for joining us, Mazen. That's all for today. But if you have strong opinions about this book and about who really should be the winner this year, we'd love to hear from you. Email, send us a message on social media or send us an owl. We'll be back soon with some creepy tales of the creatures that come out at night. So if you are a bit of a scaredy cat, you might want to skip that one. Or not, the decision is yours. (laughs) 